0: The book of Acts tonight, Acts chapter number 20, once again, we've been there several times in the last little bit, Acts chapter number 20, you pray for us, we'll be preaching at the Rhonda Baptist Tabernacle tomorrow night, and uh, boy, I cover your prayers for my voice, I'm not sure what's going on with my voice, and uh, my wife's been doctoring on me now for a few weeks, and we're still having some issues. And so, anyway, you help us pray about that, if you will. Acts chapter number 20 in your Bibles. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word tonight. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number... We're going to be in in verse number 28. Read down through uh, right around verse number 32. Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears, Verse 32 is our text tonight. The Bible says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Let's read verse 32 together as a congregation tonight. Ready? And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. You may be seated tonight. And just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about that subject, the word of his grace, the word of his grace. And let's pray. And, and uh, boy, I want you to pray with us tonight as we pray. And let's ask God to, to help us tonight as a church. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here tonight and, God, we need your help tonight. Oh, God, I pray that you would fill us with the Spirit of God. Lord, forgive us for anything in our life that could even begin to be any kind of a hindrance. God, I pray that you would cleanse us. And, Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with the Holy Ghost now. And, and God, help us as we, try to, uh, Lord, as we try to lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, as we try to proclaim the word tonight, the word of his grace. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would save that one that's without Jesus tonight. And I pray that you'd encourage that child of God that is a little discouraged. Maybe they've not told one soul, but they walked in here tonight, and Lord, they're sort of discouraged, and Lord, there's been some kind of a battle or a fight, and Lord, they're, they're just down tonight emotionally, maybe spiritually, maybe even physically. And God, I pray that you'd touch them Uh, Tonight, I pray they'd leave. Lord, uh, Lord, excited and glad that they came into the house of the Lord. Father, accomplish your will tonight. Oh, God, we plead the blood of Jesus over the service and over this time. And I pray that, Lord, you bless the live stream and help it to, to work seamlessly tonight. And I pray that folks would be ministered to through the live stream. And, Lord, uh, thank you for these that have made made a conscious choice to to turn away from other cares. And, Lord, they're here physically tonight. I pray that you'd bless them in a special way. Now, Lord, for just a few moments, help us to forget about everything. And I pray that we'll focus on what you have for us from the Word of God. Lord, I acknowledge tonight I cannot do what I'm supposed to do right now outside of you. I've got to have your help. Lord, I've got to have it. I've got to have it tonight. I pray for your breath. God, I pray for your touch, and I pray that you'd hide us behind the cross of Jesus tonight. Help us, please, Father. We love you and praise you, and we ask for your help. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, amen. We notice here in Acts chapter 20 that Paul has purposely sailed by Ephesus. He know, we notice here, and we'll go back and read some of this, but we notice that Paul desires to make it to Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. By the way, he's just a few weeks away, and we're not exactly sure that that Paul made it, Uh, but he, he wants to be there. He wants to make it to Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. We notice here in Acts chapter 20 that he feels the need to stop and call a very important meeting of the elders of the church of Ephesus. We did not read this tonight, but I want you to look there in your Bibles in Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 17. The Bible says, and from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And so Paul, basically what's going on is Paul is calling all the pastors and the bishops and, which really was the same thing back in that day and time, same, uh, different label, uh, different word, but, but same, same office, And so he's basically he's calling all the pastors together for a conference, if you will, Uh, a conference of the leaders, the spiritual leaders of this area. And in this meeting, we notice that Paul gives these men a very serious challenge. In fact, it's threefold, and I'll give it to you tonight by way of introduction. First of all, Paul says this to these preachers, to these pastors, to these spiritual leaders. First of all, he says to these men, that a part of your stability is getting ready to be taken from you. And Paul said, for these years now, I've taught you. And Paul said, I have warned you. He said, I've been, a, a, I've been a, a faithful witness to you. But then he says to these leaders, he said, but I'm getting ready. He said, you're getting ready to see me for the very last time. Notice what he says in Acts 20, verse 25. As he's talking to these leaders, he said, "And now behold, I know the e all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God." He says, "Shall see my face no more." And by the way, if you read that chapter in its entirety, you'll find out that it ended up with tears, weeping. They're weeping because, truthfully, this would be the last time that they would see the Apostle Paul. Their hearts were broken. And, uh, and, and, and although Paul was not the leader of the church, Paul was a leader. And Paul was, uh, Paul was a spiritual father, no doubt, to, to probably some of these men. And they looked up to him and they gained strength by him and stability by him. And so to hear these words that they would never see him ever again, well, their hearts were broken and, and this parting ends with a lot of tears uh, and a lot of sadness. But then number two, watch this. Paul says to these leaders, another part of your stability is getting ready to be attacked. Some of your stability is getting ready to be taken away. But he said, another part of your stability is getting ready to be attacked. Look, if you will, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28. He said, take heed therefore unto yourselves, fellas, preachers, pastors. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Look at verse 29. He said, for I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. By the way, that happened exactly what the apostle Paul as he and again get this in your mind here's the picture he he calls these men to him and he has this preacher's conference if you will I don't know how many pastors are there but he calls all these spiritual leaders together and he says fellas you're not going to see me again this is it he said, I'll no longer be able to pour into you. I'll no longer be able to teach you. This will be the last time that I'll ever minister to your congregations. Uh, some of you men have had me come and preach to your churches. This will be the last time that I'll ever preach uh, to your churches. And so part of that stability is going to be gone. But then he says, uh, but, but also he said, Your stability is getting ready to be attacked. And wolves are going to come in and they're going to try to, they're going to try to devour the flock. By the way, that happened. The church in Ephesus was at one time one of the strongest churches in all of Asia Minor. Now Turkey, by the way, Ephesus, Turkey, the same. Turkey is now 99.8% Muslim, leaving only 0.2% Christian people. Turkey, at one time, was a great fortification of Christianity. Man, it was the place where the Word was being proclaimed and the Word was being preached and churches were being built and souls were being saved. And and so Paul comes to these men and Paul says to these men, fellas, Take heed, he said. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to the flock because he said there are going to be some wolves that are going to come in and they're going to try to break up the church. And by the way, Calvary, can I just say this real quickly? As God is blessing Calvary Baptist Church and and, and as the Spirit of God is working here, take heed. Take heed to yourselves. And take heed to the flock because I can guarantee you this, if you think for half a second that Satan is, is, uh, is encouraged by what's going on at Calvary Baptist Church, he is not. And the spirit, the, the powers of darkness, I guarantee you, are upset. And they're gonna do everything they can to try to insert wolves into the ministry at Calvary Baptist Church. Amen. Turkey is now the, the largest unreached nation in the world. And is one of the strongest propagators of Islam. Most of the nation's 55 million, think about this, 55 million Muslims have never heard the gospel once. Well, that's why I'd like to see us get Brother Brown on, on the ground, Amen. boots on the ground. We don't have any time to waste. You say, Pastor, I don't think I'd ever want to go to a place like that. Well, thank God he does, though. And so because he's willing and because his little wife is willing, and uh, man, we ought to do everything we can to to try to support them. But then there's a a threefold part to this challenge. Paul says, number one, he said, a part of your stability is getting ready to be taken from you. Another part of your stability is getting ready to be attacked. And then he says this, because... Your stability is getting ready to be tested. I love this. He said, I'm commending you. He's talking to these men. He said, I'm commending you to two things. He said, number one, I'm commending you to God. And I'm commending you to the word of his grace. I love that. Man, I get so excited about words in the Bible. Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Hey, David, can I use you just a minute? Come up here just a minute, if you will. Abel, could not you hop up here just for a second? Donnie, can I use you just a second? And Abel, you just stand right over here if you would. i, I tell you what, run back and get your Bible for me, if you will. Donnie, you right here in the middle. And so Paul comes to these men, these spiritual leaders, and we'll let Donnie typify those men. He gets these preachers together and he says, Number one, he said, you'll never see me again. And I've preached in your churches. I've preached in your congregations. I've loved on your people. You've loved on me. You've provided for me. You've supported me in missions. And Paul said, we've had great meetings and great revival and people have been saved. And, nice, and he says to these men, you'll never, you'll never see me again. He said, on top of that, he said, there are going to, there, there are going to be wolves that are going to come in among you and they're going to try to start breaking the flock up and they're going to try to start uh, wreaking havoc in the church, which is exactly what happened. And so Paul says to the churches, because of these things, he said, I'm going to commend you to God. And David, we're going to let you <laughs> typify God today. Amen. <laughs> You're a lucky day right here. He said, I'm going to commend you. By the way, the word commend means Get, get back over here again, if you will. The word commend means to bring alongside. Amen. And so he said, I commend you to God and I commend you to the word of his grace. By the way, both of those are essential. You're right. yeah. Did you know that you'll never understand God apart from the word of his grace? You're right. You never will. Now, there's a lot of people who try, but you'll never understand God apart from his word. But I got something else. You'll never understand this book apart from God. Amen. And so it's very important that... When you're when you're going through something, when you're going through a trial, you're going through a battle, you're going through a valley, it's very important that, that although we can apply this to the church, and we will apply it to the church, it's very important that that you take this advice that Paul is giving, and as you're going through that battle, and as the devil is trying to fight, oh yes, it's very important that you commend yourself to God, and you commend yourself to the word of his grace, and let the word of his grace teach you about God, and let God teach you about the word of his grace. And as you do that, you know what happens? Stability comes. Amen. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that very, very much. Now, as I said just a moment ago, there's a lot of people that are doing their best to try to understand the word without God. By the way, that's where false doctrine comes in. And so that's why we have so many people nowadays and a lot of celebrities, and this is what they're saying there, there's got to be more than one way. There's got to be. There's got to be more than one way to heaven. Let me tell you what that is. That's trying to understand God apart from his word. Well, you know, I, I think that God's okay with immorality. I personally, there's where you're wrong right there. I personally believe that God's okay with homosexuality. I personally believe that God's all right with adultery. I I know what the preacher says. I know what, you know, the evangelist says. But I personally believe this and I personally believe that. And I'm just telling us that when you try to understand the Word of God, apart from God, you're going to start believing false doctrine and false doctrine is going to start coming in. And so it's very important that we are commended to God and we are commended to the Word of His grace. Now what happens when we do that? I'm just going to give you two faults tonight. What happens when we are commended to, the, to God and to the word of his grace? Well, number one, it builds you up. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse number 32. I'll preach this quickly. Acts chapter 20, verse number 32. Paul said, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Here it is, which is able to what? It is able to build you up. Now again, I know I, I, I'm, you say preacher, you something wrong with you? I, I know, I know, but I can't. I got the can't help it. I mean, listen. I start I start studying this book right here, and I find a phrase, and man, it's like that phrase jumps off the page at me. And 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 I, I man, I, you know what? Well, sometimes it just takes one sentence for me. That's all it takes to get me fired up, and uh, and it, it, it builds you up. Notice the phrase build you up. It means this. It means to finish the structure of which the foundation has already been laid to finish the structure of which the foundation has already been laid. Did you know when you make a conscious choice to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, a foundation is laid. And by the way, it is a foundation that can never crumble. Our Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 20 says it like this, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Thank God that when I got born again many years ago, a strong foundation was built. And thank God when you have that, when Jesus, when Jesus is your foundation, you don't have to worry. Somebody says, Pastor, what what are we going to do? what are we going to do about the Democrats? Don't worry about the Democrats. For that matter, what are we going to do about the Republicans? They're about as mixed up as the Democrats are. So let's recall Governor Newsom and put in Caitlyn Jenner. Gee whiz, that makes a lot of sense. The Republicans are about as mixed up as the Democrats are. You're right. Here's, here's what I'm saying. If your foundation is a political party, you've got problems. If your foundation is a celebrity, if your foundation is is, is the government, if, if your foundation is stimulus checks, if, if your foundation is anything other than Jesus, uh, you are in a bad way. But I'm thankful that when I got born again, my foundation became the Lord Jesus Christ. Edward Moat. Edward Moat wrote only one song in his life. He grew up in London, England. Grew up in a godless home. Parents never took him to church. Didn't care anything about about the Lord. Edward Moat began to. There was a, a chapel uh, right there close to his house and. And Edward Mote began to attend that chapel and while he was at that chapel, I believe it was John Hyatt, but he, he went to that chapel and he began to hear spirit-filled preaching. And, and Edward Mote came to Christ and his life was changed by spirit-filled preaching. He became an accomplished, car- an accomplished carpenter and eventually he became a preacher of the gospel. One day he was on his way home from his carpentry work and he felt the need or felt the urge to write a hymn and so he pulled out a piece of paper and a pencil on his way home and he began to write some words out by the time the, the day was done he had written all four stanzas the next Sunday he was called to a, a minister's home it was a friend of his and this preacher's wife was on her deathbed and they were just sitting there and the pastor was reading scripture to her and And then he said, why don't we we sing together? He began to look around the house for a hymn book and he couldn't find a hymn book. And so Edward Moe reached in his back pocket and he pulled out a wrinkled piece of paper. And he began to sing this song to the family and it brought incredible comfort. And it goes something like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. I'm about to have a swell up here, church. I'm telling you. But holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I just came here tonight, Calvary, to say, aren't you glad for the foundation? Amen. Aren't you glad? My foundation is not a Democrat. My foundation is not a president. My foundation is not a governor. My foundation is not a teacher. By the way, my foundation is not a preacher. My foundation is on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Man, I'm thankful for the foundation. When the builders began building them, the Sears Tower in Chicago, Illinois, they didn't start by simply laying block and pouring concrete. The Sears Tower, which is really the Willis Tower now, but the Sears Tower is 1,450 feet high, 108 floors, 43,000 miles of telephone cable. 25,000 miles of plumbing. But before they did anything else, a foundation had to be laid. Two million cubic feet of concrete went into the foundation. That foundation extends down three levels, 100 feet, and is anchored to limestone bedrock. Now, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. Now, with all of that said, and I'm thankful for my foundation. Did you know it's God's will for every Christian that there be more than just a foundation? Amen. Now, foundation's wonderful. He is wonderful. But, but and, I, and I'm gonna show, you this, show this to you in, in your Bibles, but it's God's will for every Christian that there's not just a foundation, But it's God's desire that his children grow up. Now I want you to hold your place in Acts chapter 20 because we're going to go back there. But I want you to turn over to the book of Ephesians, by the way, isn't that amazing? We're we're connecting this with the book of Ephesians, which is where Paul is challenging these spiritual leaders, Ephesus, Turkey, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 13. Notice what the apostle Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 13. He said, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth, here it is, Calvary, that we henceforth be no more what? We be no more children, tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning crackiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Here it is, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may, what? May grow up. Grow up. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that whichever joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. You know what's really, really sad is to see a foundation laid, but the building is never finished. I was gonna say, I would not advise it, but I think maybe I would advise it. Many years ago, a fellow by the name of Jim Baker. Now, all you young whippersnappers don't have a clue, but you older folks know who I'm talking about. Jim and Tammy Baker were in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they built something called the PTL Network. After, after, that, after the PTL Network had grown so much, they began to build what was called Heritage USA. Jim Baker at the time, was building a theme park right there in Charlotte, Fort Mill, Fort Mill area. I, I, you may know this, you may, maybe didn't. By the way, at the time, it was the third largest theme park in America. Only taking second place to Walt Disney World and Disneyland. And he was building this incredible theme park And along with that, they were building a beautiful 21-story, what they called the Heritage USA Hotel when the ministry fell apart. You can drive down there today. We've done it. My wife and I have done it. You can drive down to Fort Mill today. You can uh, make your way on to what used to be Heritage USA and you'll come to the Heritage USA Hotel. But you know what you'll find? You'll find a hotel that is dilapidated. Uh, The siding is falling off. The bricks are falling away. There's there's fences around it. Uh, it, it, You know what they did? They started the building, but they never finished it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's really sad. If you go down there and just look at it and think, and to think what it could have been, it is a a constant reminder of a building that was started but never finished. When you say, Pastor, big deal. It is a big deal. You know why it's a big deal? Because that story is typical of a lot of average Christians. There is a foundation that has been laid, but they never cared enough to finish the building. By the way, that's exactly where the church comes in. That's where the word of his grace comes in. That's where God comes in to build you up, to finish the building. You're in Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter four and verse number 11. Ephesians four verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers Look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, there it is, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What's that mean, preacher? It means building up, the building up, for the building up of the saints. In other words, God is not concerned with you just having a foundation. Thank God for your foundation. But God's desire is for you to grow up. Grow up and and not just have a foundation. But you ought to be and I ought to be a beautiful building for the cause of Jesus Christ. By the way, church, a finished building doesn't happen by accident. If you don't believe it, ask Brother Lee. Ask Brother Michael. Ask some of these guys that are builders and contractors and carpenters in our church. A beautiful house never just all of a sudden what pops up. You know, wow, wow. I don't know they had Pop Tart houses. That's awesome. It's amazing. They don't. You know why? It takes time. It takes a lot of work takes a lot of effort. takes a lot of hard work. takes a lot of dedication. Hey, I just described to you what the Christian life is. Amen. Right. A lot of Christians have foundation. They're so proud of their foundation. And you should be. If you're really saved, your foundation is Jesus. But God wants you to have more than just a foundation. Right. He wants you to build a house. Right. He wants you to grow up. And I'm going to tell you something. You won't build a foundation twiddling your thumbs. of them. Amen. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go today or not. Let me tell you what you're getting ready to have. You're getting ready to have a foundation, not getting ready to have a house. All right. All right. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Well, I know I need to read my Bible today, but I just don't feel like reading my Bible. I, I know I need to go to church, but I don't feel like going to church. I know I need to pray, but I don't feel like praying. I know I need to go soul winning. I know I need to serve in my ministry, but I don't feel like doing that. And I'm telling you, if you live that kind of life, what you're gonna end up with is a, is a concrete slab. You're gonna have a foundation, but you're not gonna have a building. You're not gonna have a building. I'm just saying this, Calvary. It takes work. It takes dedication. It takes selling out. It takes showing up when you don't wanna show up. It takes giving when you don't want to give. It takes, man, when everybody else is just lagging behind and doing their own thing. It takes saying, hey, you do what you want to do. But by the grace of God, we're getting ready to build a house. So what does God in the word of his grace do? Number one, it builds you up. We're done. But number two, it blesses you with inheritance. Now look back at Acts chapter 20 again, verse number 32. Acts chapter 20, verse number 32. The Bible says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. But there's a comma. And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Inheritance, it means heirship. H-E-I-R-S-H-I-P, airship, an heir is what I'm saying. It means this, the word inheritance means what is given to one is possession. Now, I do believe this. I believe this is speaking of future inheritance. I believe God's gonna provide you a home in heaven as a possession, I do believe that. I believe that's without a doubt. You're gonna gain heaven and all of its splendor. But I'm gonna be honest with you, the I believe there's more to that than that. I believe it's not only talking about a future inheritance, but I believe what God is saying here is this that it is a final authority. That we, as the family of God, have been given this book as an inheritance among the saints. God said, I've given you a prize, I've given you an unspeakable gift. I've given you a love letter from me personally to you. The word of God. Now, Calvary, whatever you do, man, don't squander your inheritance. That's your inheritance. Don't squander your inheritance and throw it on a coffee table and let it gather dust all week and never never open it. Man, somebody said a dusty Bible leads to a dirty life. Someone said a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Mm -hmm. This is your inheritance. Now I want you to take your Bibles real quickly and I want to see if I can make this point and we're done. Take your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And look at verse number 9. And we're, wheels are on the runway. And we're bringing this thing to a close. Boy, I'm telling you, if nobody else is getting anything, man, God is lighting my fire tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter two and verse number nine. Now, look what our Bible says. If you found your place, say amen. Amen. All right? 1 Corinthians two, verse nine. The Bible says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Did you know the average Christian reads that verse right there and they say, yes! Heaven's gonna be wonderful. And it is. But he's not talking about heaven. You say, do what? He's not talking about heaven. Look at it. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Look at verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, ye the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we, what is it? speak not in the I've got it underlined not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth but which the holy ghost teacheth comparing comparing spiritual things with spiritual god is not talking about heaven right there you know what he's talking about he's talking about this book Amen. he said you don't even understand what i have what i have given you you don't understand how powerful how life changing This book can break the chains. This book can heal the marriage. Yes. This book can strengthen a home. This book can build a house. This book can only start the foundation. This book can can erect a building. It can do something uh, fantastic and miraculous in your life. What is God saying? God is saying this right here, this is the inheritance right here. You and I have been given a treasure And whatever we do, may we not neglect this prized possession. Interesting story. Rob Cutshaw. Anybody ever heard of Rob Cutshaw? (laughs) Probably not. He lived a long, long time ago. He owned a little roadside shop right outside of a place called Andrews, North Carolina. He was a country boy. And Rob liked to hunt for rocks. And then, if they were real pretty, that's what he called them, pretty. If they were real pretty, he'd sell them to collectors or jewelry makers. He knew about rocks, he knew which ones to pick up and which ones not to pick up. But as far as being an expert, he wasn't really an expert. And so, a lot of times, when he would really get a pretty rock and take it to someone, he would leave the appraising to them. They said about Rob that this profession that he was in didn't always pay the bills. <laughs> and so he had the moonlight on the side and he had to cut wood for a living and he would go out and cut wood and provide wood for people and they would pay him and he would put food on the table. But one day when Rob was out digging, he found a rock. And Rob described this rock as pretty man, it was pretty. And then he said it was big. He tried his best to sell the rock for the longest time, but nobody wanted it. Nobody was interested, so he just, for a while, he put it under his bed, and then he put it in his closet. He guessed that this blue chunk was probably worth at least $500. But he said this. He said, if someone would have came to me and offered me less, he said, I would have took it because he said I had bills to pay. What Rob Cutshaw was getting ready to sell for a few hundred dollars turned out to be the largest, most valuable sapphire ever found in America. The blue rock that stayed in Rob's closet for two years became known as the Star of David. And when they finally found out about it, at weighing almost a pound, that rock that was pretty was worth almost $3 million. Brother Pope, what's your point? My point is this. He had a treasure and didn't even realize it. Did you know tonight a lot of Christians have a treasure and they don't even realize it. Amen. They don't even realize it. Man, this is It's a treasure. Don't throw this up in the, back, in the back of your car where the sun can bake the cover and, and dog ear the covers up where people that drive by your car see your Bible laid in the back of the car and the sun's got it all messed up. Oh my. Don't use this book for a prop for the window right. or to keep the door open. This is a treasure. Right. And our Bible tells us this, that if we will commend ourselves... If we'll come alongside God and the word of his grace, the Bible says that he'll build us up and he'll give us an inheritance. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for this treasure that you've given us tonight, the precious word of God. Father, thank you for the foundation that you have provided in Jesus Christ Thank you for that solid rock. And God, we thank you for this wonderful challenge that we've received tonight from Acts chapter 20. Lord, as we're going through the the turbulent times of life, struggles and valleys and storms and battles, Lord, as wolves try to come in and and wreak havoc in our lives and in, in our churches, God, may we commend ourselves to God and to the word of his grace. Father, have your way in the invitation. Maybe tonight there's someone who needs to just tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and recommit themselves to the Bible. Maybe there's someone here tonight, and like Rob, Rob Cutshaw, they never really realized the treasure that they had in their hand tonight. And Lord, maybe tonight somebody needs to come and they just need to pray this prayer. Lord, help me to be a student of your word. Lord, would you commend me to yourself and to the word of your grace? Maybe there's someone here tonight, Lord, and there's a foundation, but there's no building on the foundation. And tonight they would come and say, Lord, help me to grow up. Help me not to be satisfied with where I am. Help me not to be satisfied with mediocrity and complacency and God, I want to do more. Lord, expand our vision. Extend our outreach. Lord, have your way in the invitation. Lord, it could be there's somebody here tonight that needs to be saved. I pray tonight that you'd save their soul. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. In just a moment, we're going to stand where the Abel's playing. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. I want you to come. I want you to come. We we would love to take the Bible and show you how to be saved. We want to show you tonight. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and ask some of our personal workers. Go ahead and make their way to the front tonight. If you're watching by way of live stream this evening and you don't know Christ as Savior, I want you to call that number that's on your screen right now. 704-327-5662. Right now, I want you to dial that number. Someone's gonna be waiting to take your call.